You're listening to episode 220, The Power of Podcasts with Jeremy Slate. If you're doing a 30, 40, 60 minute interview, that's a long time to build a relationship with somebody. So, yeah. so that too is is very, very cool. There's just not a lot of mediums out there. Like if you're on a TV show, I, I the thing I will say is it is super powerful to get that image of somebody on TV. But at the same time, like if you're getting six minutes, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, how much of a story can you tell in that period of time? Not much. And, and that's what I think is really, really powerful is if you're willing to differentiate and show how you can be different and how what you're doing is different, there's a lot of room for you um, because a million shows is just really not that big in the grand scheme of things. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Anyone who minimizes the importance of success to your future has given up on his or her own chances of accomplishment and is spending his or her life trying to convince others to do the same. Grant Cardone. You know, on the road of success, you're going to run into a lot of negative people, a lot of negative Nancys, a lot of haters, including probably the strongest ones, which is in our own mind. Don't pay them any attention. Keep moving. Keep striving forward. The biggest dreams, remember this, are crossed over a mountain of failure. Today, my inspiring guest is Jeremy Slate. He's the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast which studies the highest performers in the world. He studied literature at Oxford University, specializes in using podcasting and new media to create celebrity, and he was ranked number one in iTunes New and number 78 in iTunes Top 100. He was named the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019, as well as being named a top influencer by Forbes. After his success in podcasting, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, founded Command Your Brand, to help entrepreneurs get their message out by appearing as guests on podcasts. You can follow Jeremy or find out more information at Jeremy Ryan Slate on social media. And today, you know, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, podcasting. Jeremy's a top podcaster, so I wanted to sit down with him and pick his brain about, you know, how this industry is blowing up and how you can take advantage uh, of it starting your own podcast and leveraging the power of your voice. And I mean voice in two senses of the word, like your physical voice, because a lot of people are starting to listen to audio rather than read things, right? Audio is just more convenient because you can do things, take a walk, wash your clothes, walk your dog, whatever. But also your voice in the sense of your character, your own unique personality, your own talents, your own traumas, your gifts, all the things that make you you. You know, all those things are unique. Nobody can copy them. So learning to leverage that as part of your brand, as part of, you know, your life, if you just want to have fun with some friends and start a podcast, or if you really want to take it seriously and, you know, become a brand, a business, a household name, you know, this is what we're going to get into today. Podcasting has changed my life, and I'm really grateful to be here with you guys right now, today, in this moment, 
and every day, you know, sharing what makes a difference in my life, what I'm passionate about, what I find interesting. You know, so many interesting people have crossed my life because of this podcast. So many life lessons. And I think podcasting has a wonderful thing to offer you. If it's something you're interested in, it's a wonderful journey. So today, Jeremy's going to share a lot of his golden nuggets with us from his journey being, you know, a successful podcaster and bringing, you know, a brand and, and a voice to one of the top podcasts in the world right now to listen to business podcasts. So super excited to share with you the power of podcasts with Jeremy Slate. Let's do this. I feel you. You got a nice setup, though. What kind of mic you got over there? This is a uh, Shure SM7B. Um, I'm running through um, a cloud lifter to add an extra 60 decibels. Oh, interesting. And then my interface is a Focusrite 2i2 to go from uh, the uh, XLR to the USB. Is that the new Focusrite? I have the old one. I mean, uh, did you? Get, I know they came out with like a new version of the smaller one i guess so yeah this is the the gen 3 the 2i2 ah. gen 3 it's mm-hmm. pretty sweet do you find that there's a difference between that and the the previous generation i haven't used the previous generation man so oh, gotcha. <laughs> i wouldn't be good uh good feedback there like cause i was using usb mics for like uh three years before that and then i finally mm-hmm. moved over to this setup it's interesting man podcasting's really taken off isn't it i mean uh, yeah now it's and so it's easy now everybody can <laughs> can start a podcast <laughs> and you can be as much of a technology nerd as you want, man. It's fun. I'll tell you what though. I mean, I didn't know shit about podcasting when I first started. I started oh, like neither did I. three years ago and I was like, all right, let me just record. I know kind of how to record audio a little bit on audacity. And then, you know, yeah. I figured out how to publish through Libsyn through one of my friends who was doing some podcasting and you know, you just kind of learn as you go. I remember it took me a year, man. It took me a freaking year, probably more actually, to realize that I should remove the noise before I add all the sound editing and everything. Because I don't have anybody <laughs> doing my sound. It's hard to so, denoise it then if you don't, man. Yeah, I'm like, God, why do I keep having sound in my shit? You know, and it's like, I'm like, it's such a simple thing. You know, it's like the order in which you do something determines the result. And so- 100%. Have you had any similar 100%. types of situations in your case that took you like forever and it was just this simple well, thing? I, so the podcast out? I have I have now is actually like the second one I've had because the first one I had was like just total dog shit. <laughs> and it, it lasted like, I think like a month and a half or two months. And like- Just um, because my, the audio quality or what? What was the- So so like, first of all, I thought I was like a life coach or some shit like that. This is five, okay. this is five or six years ago. So like, yeah. you know, like it, this was, it was bad. Um, so it was just like really bad cause I didn't have like a ton of life experience yet. And I'm like, I'm going to like change your life. It was, it was bad. Um, so number one, the content was horrible cause it wasn't like set up to help anybody. Gotcha. And number two, like it was me talking to my MacBook, like without any earbuds, without anything. So Oof. it was like, it was like an echo chamber. Like it was yeah. just, there's a reason that like not even a hundred people listen to it. I had an interview with this gal. It was such a good fucking interview and I forgot I don't know. Somehow I messed up the audio setup when I was, I brought all my microphones. I had everything set up. Oh, everything bummer. Like perfect, you picked man. worse or something like and that. We were in some shitty little room in the library that had a like massive cave reverb. And when yeah. I listened back, to, it was such a great conversation. It was like perfect conversation. And I listened back to it. I'm like, 
fuck like the audio like there's no way i can rescue this <laughs> what am i gonna do with this well, shit right, i mean i i still published it and it seems like people still listen to it you know but i was just like god you know it's just it just burns your brain when you when you see that kind of stuff going on oh it's intense man i feel you hey well you've interviewed quite a few big people grant cardone russell brunson tom billy i mean how how long have you been doing your podcast currently and how did you how'd you get started like what was you know what got you on this track of life so um i started this current podcast in 2015 that's the create your uh, life podcast. create your own life yeah i started yeah. that in 2015 and um sorry my web guy's trying to like fix something he broke my website so he's currently <laughs> fixing it for me um anyway so he's like asking for support stuff. Um, so I started in 2015 and like we had a lot of listens right out of the gate. And I think like had I not done that other show that was just like total dog shit, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have learned like a lot of the things like not to do. Gotcha. And at the same time, like I was like, all right, well, I kind of screwed up royally. So if I reach out to the big names, it's kind of like the worst that could happen. Right. So I actually had like a decent hit rate in my first, I guess, 100 episodes and people I got to speak to. Like we had Pat Flynn on our first 20 episodes. Uh John Lee Dumas on pretty early. Um, by the 150s, we had Grant Cardone on. So it took like a lot of like follow up and a lot of like willing to be go go for it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's just I don't know. You keep grinding at it and keep learning more about how to reach out to guests and stuff like that because there is like you know a formula for it. Like if you want to get athletes, you're gonna have a better chance on like Instagram or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Twitter, I've had some some success there. If you want musicians, if you want people that are in movies, um, there's a good site called contactacelebrity.com that you can find out like how to speak to their representation. But then it's like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to talk to their speaker booker because that's the person that gets yeah, paid to book speaking gig. <laughs> yeah. So like you find out like what that hierarchy is. Like if you can get the person that's kind of like the first, you move outside of that, their assistant, PR person, anything outside of PR person, you're probably not getting the interview. So it's like I've kind of learned, I guess, the hierarchy and how to work it and yeah. you know, continue to build it up. How did you, I mean, I'm curious, like when you first started, yeah. now you have a track record, obviously, so I can't imagine it'd be too hard to get, you know, pretty good guests on your show. But when you first started, for somebody who's starting a podcast, like how did you even land those, you know, interviews or even, you know, your first couple episodes, how you basically got the listens? I mean, that's that's what everybody wants to know, right? Is how do you yeah. fucking get people to listen to what you're trying to say? Well, for uh, I guess that's two things. I'll handle the... Is this the podcast right now, by the way, or are we just hanging out? Oh, yeah, no, we're just, we're recording, yeah. It's okay, all okay cool, form. awesome. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm not, like, dropping the good stuff and we, we can no, use it. No, you're later. good, you're good. Okay, so, so, um, so like, for, for getting guests, like, um, one of the things that is, so like I mentioned, I had that other podcast early on. Yeah. Um, the thing I did there is I did have a couple interviews which were decent, and then it's all about like how you position them. Like, um, yeah. like I had a friend that used to play for the Giants in the '90s, um, so I was like, you know, Giants Super Bowl champion. Um, and then I had another friend that did like the largest. Um, he did the largest farm sale in the United States, which you know that sounds like kind of interesting. Selling a farm or selling yeah, yeah, he sold home. a farm, and it was like owned by like the Wrigley family or something like that, the wow. chewing gum family. So it was like the largest. So like, okay, like I had these two things I could kind of like play off of. So when I reached out to my first guest, my first guest, it was like talking about like the show purpose and stuff like that. Mm. And hey, like people I've already interviewed, like Super Bowl champion, New York Giant and farm gotcha. sale guy. And but like yeah. figuring out kind of like a, you know, fancy, interesting way to say it. Right. And then like as people started saying yes, it, it would change to interview scheduled and done and i would just list the names of the people that said yes and then like it kind of start like gradually keeps building up and then it's just about like being 
annoyingly persistent. You know what I mean? Like, um, I really want to have Robin Sharma on the podcast. And I said, Hey, you know, like follow up in six months. And I'm like, Oh man, six months. So I'm like, well, what if we book it six months out? And they're like, we can do that. So we booked it six <laughs> months out and we got it. So it's, you know what I mean? Like finding out like how you could turn the yes to a no. Yeah. And like, don't leave any maybes on the table. Yeah. Like if it's, if they literally are just super busy right now and can't do it, like just leave it there. So like that, so like that's kind of the guest portion is just like, you just annoyingly follow, well, not annoyingly, like in the nicest way possible, but persistently follow up consistently. Um, from the traffic standpoint, like it's also realizing like what the, um, the number one like ranking characteristics are. So like subscribes are like the number one thing that ranks you. Reviews are cool, but they don't really, they do pretty much nothing when it comes to like ranking your podcast. Hmm. They're just good for social proof. So it's one of those things that helps you to win the, you know, win the, the subscribe. Like yeah. that's really the game. So I knew that out of the gate. So I was trying to get like anybody I knew to subscribe to the show, like to the point that like, you know, you go out to the bar with your friends and you're like grabbing their phone and showing them how to subscribe. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and at that point in time, it was iTunes. Now it's Apple podcast, but like, it's knowing that that was the stat and I'd failed so royally before, like what's the worst that could happen, you know, just right. kind of like go for it and see what happens. Um, I didn't know automation was a thing. Like I didn't know that like it existed. So I individually sent out about 2,500 LinkedIn messages asking Oof. people to like subscribe to my show. How long did it like, take you? <laughs> a couple days, like in, yeah. in batches, like I'd sit down for like four hours, send a whole bunch. That's a grind, like, man. Four hours. And yeah. So like, so there was that portion of just like trying as hard as I possibly can to get it in front of people. And since this was in 2015, like iTunes new and noteworthy was still a thing. So like I got into that and then oh, I got yeah. eight weeks. I remember of eight new weeks and noteworthy. Of, yeah. I got eight weeks of free promotion. And then like, um, I think it closed nice. like not long after that where it like locked for dude, if you're one of those shows that got locked in iTunes oh, new and yeah. noteworthy for like three years, it rocked. So like I had a friend that like had this podcast, he quit doing and he was still getting massive download numbers. Wow. Um, so that really like kind of helped us out of the gate. And then it's just, you know, going after higher level guests, promote, 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 and you know, the rest is kind of history from there. I found a kind of an interesting, I mean, I don't know if it's sneaky, but it's an interesting way to, to get guests is after I usually have a, a, sh a question to ask them, like, who would you recommend on the show? That's and, a good one too. I've used that too. Yeah. And that way, that way I have the social proof saying, Oh, Hey, I talk, you know, I learned about you from so-and-so. <laughs> it's a good door in though. Cause I had to happen yeah, once. I mean, you know, it's a good door. One in. of my buddies is like, Oh, you got to interview my friend, Hal. I'm like, Oh, Hal who? He's like, Hal Elrod. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wanted to interview him. So like you get like things like that happen and you just, you don't expect yeah. it, you know? Well, with your own podcast, I'm curious, like, you know, you say that your number one vision is to help people find freedom in life. And I, I, I really like that. I can relate to that. Yeah. Freedom for me is, I think, my highest value, especially as entrepreneurs. I think that has to be up there. That's for why you. we're entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, for sure. And so what does that mean to you right now? I mean, actually, two-part question, because I'm curious about your logo, too. I like your eagle breaking from the chains. I'm curious what kind of inspired that. And also, what does freedom mean to you? So I'm a motorhead. So uh, that was inspired by, so when I sat down with the designer, uh, I'm like, I really like the Pontiac Firebird logo. Okay. Um, nice. And um, I, I, because the first version was like, kind of like this, like thing that looked like way too fairy for me. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's not it. So I'm like, let's take a look at, you know, this inspired by the Firebird logo, um, inspired by some muscle car logos. And you know, like one of the things we're doing is we're like breaking the chains of ordinary. So I'm like, I have this yeah. idea of like, I don't know, you've probably seen it before, but there's like these different ones of like people breaking chains and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like that was a little bit too um, like hard or too like, you know, tough for that type of thing. So yeah. we kind of came up with that, like breaking off the, the, the Eagle's legs. 
And it came out to be a really, really cool concept, man. So like that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, it's it pretty powerful. Like, I mean, eagle yeah. is strong, but it's not too overbearing. And then the chains are pretty obvious. Like you're you're breaking through something. So that's cool. And and it also like you know like it's a symbol of freedom too, right? Like yeah. you know what I mean. We associate it with that, um, you know, with freedom and liberty and stuff like that. So it's kind of like you know, it, it's it's showing that ultimate ideal, like you were talking about, of freedom. And so for me, like. I don't know, like, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up, like, living other people's plans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is what society wants from me. This is what your parents want from you. You want to make them happy and whatever. And you get to a certain point and you're like, so I do this for 40 years. And then, you know, <laughs> when, when, do I, when do I do me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so at a certain standpoint, you start to realize, well, like, what's in it for me? And I, I think you kind of go through this process in it where you realize early on, like, you think freedom is just do whatever I want. And like, as you like do more of that, you're like, okay, so freedom can mean yes, to a certain extent, do what I want. Um, but also at the same time, it's the freedom to help. It's the freedom to do a lot of things. It's the freedom to like, um, you know, I spoke in Ukraine last year, which is super cool. And then we nice. took that whole two week period and we explored a whole bunch of Europe. Like you can't do that with a typical job, but like, yeah. you know, that was a business trip and that was cool. So freedom for me is like, you're kind of living the ultimate pinnacle of what it could be but also at the same time flowing help back to people because i think to just make freedom for me or freedom for for any of us is selfish right so it's like yeah. what do we do with it and how do we help was there a moment for you during your i guess you know career you know before you were an entrepreneur what, what was the point where you snapped basically and you said all right i i can't do this anymore and it, it yeah. clicked for you that it was either you know, go for it and do what you want or just wither away and die. <laughs> so, um, in 2012, uh, my mom, uh, was, uh, March of 2012, my mom had a really bad stroke. Um, and I had come home from the gym and, you know, luckily it was in with like a half an hour of it happening. So, you know, like they say 45 minutes for stroke. You were there kind of that. when it happened, basically. I, I, well, I came home and found her. Like I, oh, I literally wow. just Man, like, found her crazy. on the, found her on the floor and it was kind of like in that situation. You're like, holy shit, what do I do? Like, yeah. you know, what do I do? So the first thing is like, all right, uh, you call 911, you do this, you do that. And like, I don't know if like at that point in time, I just kind of went on automatic. So like, I figured I'm like, okay, this is a bad thing. I should just start packing a bag. So I like, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a competitive powerlifter. So I'm like, I need food. I need this. I need that. So like, I'm starting like picking yeah. up a lot of these things. And I think it's just like this, you're in shock, right? So you kind of do what just seems normal and ordinary at that point in time. Like, you know, you, you call 911. You, my, my dad at that point in time was out in the golf course. So I had to call and find him and just, I was supposed to be at work in an hour. So it's, you just do all this stuff. And then like, you know, that was kind of a huge pattern interrupt for me. At that point in time, I was teaching high school and um, my degree is actually um, in early Roman Empire propaganda, not a very applicable skill in the world. Really? Getting, you, can get a degree a job. <laughs> you can get a degree in that. I took Latin for 12 early years. Early Roman <laughs> Empire propaganda. Yes, wow. I, I studied how the Roman Empire, or the Roman Emperor, the first one being uh, Augustus, how he convinced people as God and the tools that he used to do it. Wow. Um, so, like, that's what my degree was in, like something really driven by curiosity, really driven by interest. Yeah. Like, I actually created my major because my school didn't have my major. So, wow. I worked with the classics department and the history department. We made kind of like a crossover major in my master's. So, it was all driven by curiosity. And then I get into the world of um, I didn't get into the PhD program I wanted. I only applied to one program, which is NYU. And if you really wanted to get something right, like you'd probably work harder at that, apply to multiple schools, whatever it may be, because the goal was to be a college professor because it seemed like just follow interest, right? Follow yeah. what I was really excited about. I didn't get that. So 
I got out of school in 2011, like one of the worst job markets, you know, we've seen. So at night I'm managing a gym and during the day I'm painting houses. So I'm working like 17 hours a day trying to find, (laughs) barely sleeping, trying to make things go. And I run into a priest friend in my family and he's like, hey, you know, the private school that I work at is looking for teachers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I guess I could do that. So, you know, I kind of just jumped in with two feet and within two years, dude, I was so burnt out. Like I was wow. just burnt out. Were I had you still no doing the other jobs or you just pretty much full? No, no, I, I quit those because like yeah. it'd be just insane to try and do that. And like you, yeah. you couldn't give it a full-time, full-time attention. So like, um, what burned you out about that job at the Catholic school? I'm guessing it's Catholic school, but yeah, it was Catholic school. Most, most private schools I think are Catholic schools, but yeah. like, um, I didn't have a lot of classroom management skills. So I'll take that, you know, I'll take that kind of responsibility there. Like I could have learned how to do a better job. Um, I was a boring teacher, man. I was just really, <laughs> really boring. I wasn't interesting. I wasn't uh, um, insightful because I guess like for me, learning had been kind of a solitary thing. Mm. And then you try to take that interest in learning and make it into like a group thing. And not everybody learns the way you do. Not everybody yeah. finds interesting what you find interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so it, it wasn't good in that way, but also at the same time, it was kind of like a perfect storm. Like the school had just gotten rid of grades um so there was only a weighted system meaning if you uh got like an a it was worth four you got a b it was worth three so like kids knew that they could fail every single thing and if they got a d on one paper they'd get a 70 and that's passing wow. so like so like it was just it was just a shit show man Sounds like, like I'm not, socialism academic yeah, socialism <laughs> it was academic socialism so i'm not good at classroom management the kids know they basically know they're they're very entrepreneurial in the way they're thinking they know exactly yeah. what they have to do to oh, get yeah. by and then still be able to play basketball and everything else so like it i was burnt out so fast man and then so when my mom had a had a stroke i was kind of like all right um, I don't want to do this the rest of my life because, you know, life is a, is a finite thing and, and it makes you really question it. So, um, she was in a coma for about, uh, three months wow. and then she was in a, a nursing home for another six before she finally came home. And, you know, you know, luckily we still have her, but she's, she's lost her language skills. She That's you know, crazy, has man. trouble walking and stuff like that. So, um, I, I just didn't want to live the rest of my life thinking that I had this this greatness of this ability to do things that um, just wasn't really working for me. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, how do I discover and find that? And that kind of sent me on that like journey of trying all these different things to, to see what's working. Wow. That's crazy, man. I mean, I can't imagine. It's like your parents, especially, you know, they, as you grow older, you see them growing older and they, uh, that's hard. They, be, they become slower and it's like, fuck you. The more you grow up, the more you're like, Oh shit. Like it's, it's they're hard. They're not going to be around man. one day. They're not going to be around one day. You know? It's hard, man. My dad's in his late sixties now. Um, yeah. and my, my dad played uh, professional baseball. Like he got to a certain level where he played pro ball. Wow. And dude, I remember like growing up as a kid, like, I was like terrified to play catch with my father because he was a pitcher. So like (laughs) he'd like stick you up against the wall and put a glove in your hand and you just kind of like hope and like that ball be coming (laughs) in like 90 miles an hour or whatever. And it's like, you know, like, um, you know, my dad now, like he's a great golfer and stuff like that. But like, you know, things take longer. The energy, you know, isn't there. Like it is harder to see your parents get older, man. It definitely is because they're, they're invincible when you're a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the other part of being, I guess, an entrepreneur or trying to be successful, whatever that means is you want to be able to provide for your parents too. I mean, you know, most of the mm-hmm. time 
most of us, you know, our parents weren't millionaires or anything. So right. they, they worked hard and they, they're part of that generation of like, okay, you just got to work hard, work for a company for 40 years. And that was what worked, you know, now it's, it doesn't work that way. You make money on Instagram or, you know, whatever. <laughs> that was the, that was the hardest thing. I don't know about it for you, but like, that was the hardest thing when like trying to explain to my parents what my career was. They're like, yeah. Wait, you do, you do, you do what? They're like the, the first couple of years, they were always asking like, are you okay? Do you need money? It's like, yeah. do I look like I need money? I'm doing fine. Like it, it is difficult when, you know, the world changes, you know? It's like, I don't really have a career. I just kind of make money from different sources. <laughs> I don't really, you know, I don't go to work. It's work every day. Well, when we finally built a company, that's when my dad was kind of like, okay, cool. Things are good now. He's got like, he's got people working. Yeah, something for measurable and legitimate, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, th- that's the thing. When you finally have something on paper, then they feel a little more relaxed. But exactly, like yeah. something they're u- something they're used to, or something they think is normal. You know what I mean? You had a um, near-death experience at nineteen, too, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I'm interested to hear about that. So I was playing foot. I was playing football, and like not like playing like in an organized game or anything like that. We would just. Um, play 12 on 12 and just tackle the hell out of each other. Like looking back on it was probably a dumb idea. No pads, just tackle the hell out of each other and go for it. So um, like I, I broke a kid's arm. I popped a kid's shoulder out. And then finally it was my turn. I'm, I'm backpedaling five yards with the receiver playing cornerback. And uh, I stepped in a drain and um, my body kept turning and my foot stayed stationary. So I tore my ACL, PCL and meniscus. I just shredded the damn thing. And, um, wow. it's like, it, it's interesting. Cause it hurt for like three seconds. And then the pain is so severe. You can't feel anything. Like it just goes, oh num- it just goes numb. So I'm, I'm sitting on the ground like, wow, this probably isn't good. I can't stand up. So it should be, a, a you know, like it sounds bad, but the surgery to do, it's pretty, you know, medical science has figured it out. It's relatively easy. Um, but the anesthesia that went along with it didn't really go so well. And, um, they actually collapsed my left lung and overexpanded my right lung. So I actually, I still have scar tissue to this day. Um, like swimming, like isn't quite fun because of the pressure it puts on my chest. Um, do you have a hard time breathing or like, I mean, yeah. So what happened is because of that, like my pulmonary system started to fail, my, meaning my heart and my lungs and everything else. And, uh, my blood oxygen level was just plummeting. So for like three days, they couldn't keep my blood oxygen level up. So because of that, I'm like in and out of consciousness. I'm like, I'm awake, I'm asleep, I'm awake, I'm asleep. Wow. And then, um, you know, it's, it's a weird experience, man, because like the way I explain it is it's not like being in the room. It's like being the room, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, so it's like you, like you are the space, if that sounds weird, but yeah. it, it's, it's how it feels. Like you can feel and perceive everything, but you're not really there. Yeah. Um, so they actually, they brought a priest in and, and like gave me last rites and all that kind of stuff. And then like, um, three days in, you know, I, I started breathing enough on my own that they're like, all right, you know, we can probably send you home pretty soon. Um, you know, I, I found out down the road, like, you know, I guess lucky for them statute of limitations ran out. Cause it was like a, like a medical thing that probably could have resulted in some sort of legal action, but, but did not. Um, and, and literally like they, they, I, I've talked to people after that are like, yeah, they, they probably had a good idea what they'd done, but they didn't want to create any um, negative effects for themselves. They're like, oh, we don't know what's wrong with them. We like can't get them to breathe. Like, da, da, da. And, you know, day three, start breathing normally. But, dude, it was a really weird experience because, like, you, you just, like, you, the only way I can explain it is you are the room. It's weird. And then just you can, you can kind of perceive people's consciousness as being there, but you're not awake, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I'm, I admit, it does make sense because the brain, I mean, 
everything we perceive is just through this filter. You know, it's yeah. not it's not really yeah. reality. So it's a filter you're being given. And there's a lot of things sure. that alter that oxygen level, drugs, alcohol, I mean, caffeine, everything alters our perception. So it's yes, pretty fascinating, you know, types of those uh experiences, especially like the near death experiences some people have had. Yeah. It's like it's it's crazy, man. Question like what you know, maybe maybe that's what reality is when your brain isn't so um you know, it's like a radio station. Like when you tune on a radio station and it's very clear, you're yeah. very aligned with that frequency. But in between there's a ton of frequencies. Necessarily you aren't gonna hear very much, but they're still there. And so you wonder, you know, when when there's being oxygen starved in your brain, or is that allowing your consciousness, whatever consciousness is, to disassociate? And now you are, like you said, part of the room. Uh, you're not localized in a body. You know, it's just, it's a weird thought to think about that stuff, but. It's, it's super, super interesting. You know, what's crazy too, because I hear a lot of people talk about that and they're like, they kind of like, they have this clarity and they have this, they know what they want to do. And it's like, I don't know, for me, nothing changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing changed. I just like, I'm from New Jersey and like the Northern part of New Jersey calls it Taylor ham and the Southern half of New Jersey calls it pork roll, uh, <laughs> which is kind of other places called Canadian bacon. I just remember waking up because I've always been, like a health nut, I remember waking up and being like, damn, I just want my Taylor ham sandwich, man. That, that was it. That was literally like my, aha, I get this moment. I want my Taylor ham sandwich. So like my life didn't change until this whole thing with my mom happened. And that's when yeah. like it really, it hit me because it wasn't me anymore. That's a big one. Yeah. I think when you realize it's, it's not just you, you know, we get so caught up in our automated programs, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy how much, how much shit every day you do is just automated. Yeah, you know, I, I remember I had this experience actually multiple times recently, but more like a couple months ago, I was in a parking lot and I was getting ready to cross. I had bought something or some shit, and I was getting ready to cross the you know the lane to go to my car, and this car was coming up, and it was at a distance where it was like it wasn't clear what the right option was. Like, should I cross or should I wait? Right. So that was, either of those two options were very clear for me. Uh, and, and without even fucking thinking about it, I just bolted across and went straight up, you know? And it was like, at the time I was like really working on, I guess, retraining my nervous system, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, type A, go, go, go. Like every time you get a challenge, you respond with, okay, fuck, like, let me just push it harder. Let me throw more money at it. Let me put more energy at it, you know, something more. And a lot of times, at least for me, I don't know about you, you can kind of tell me what your experience has been, but sure. The biggest lesson that I, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, you can do less, you know, more with less in a sense. Like, you know, it's okay to wait. It's okay to sort of create space. It's okay to delay. It's okay, you know, to basically do the opposite of what I no normally want to do. So it's just funny to me that I find myself in these situations where life gives me two options in a split second. And like, I still automatically go to push. I got to push. Okay. Let's jump across the river, whatever the fuck it is. You know, I just go instead of like, Oh, let me just relax a little bit and not do it. So it's, it's interesting how I have these automated programs, but anyway. well, the thing that the thing that came up for me is like, cause you're talking about driving like the other night, like, um, we're, we're driving on the road, it's nighttime and there's a deer in front of the car. Like, oh, shit. like it's like 50 feet Wait, in front of the car. Where do you live at again? I'm in, I'm in Northern New Jersey. It's kind no, of like, oh, like okay. you, you live it's like living in the boondocks, man. It's not what yeah. other people think of New Jersey. Like, <laughs> like everybody here thinks they live in the South, but they don't. Um, gotcha. so like there's a deer, like 50 feet in front of the car and dude, like I'm looking right at it, but I can't see the damn deer. Cause I'm like, so an automatic and my wife's like, 
dare i'm like oh whoa there it is it's right in, but it's literally like right i don't know if right you've had it, like, yeah it's right there you and you register. should be able to see it and perceive it and you're looking dead at it but you can't see it and you don't even <laughs> register isn't that, isn't that crazy it is crazy or like the uh reticular <laughs> activating complex or whatever you know like when you when you do something in your life and now suddenly you notice that shit everywhere you know like if you buy a blue car now everybody has a blue car or right I remember the first time I started growing my facial hair out, like suddenly I would only see dudes with beards walking around. I'm like, why so many guys have beards? Like <laughs> they were always there. I, I don't know, man. I got beard envy. This is my, my month and a half beard. I know it's looking, looking good. Um, you know, I got I a friend it. just like you that, uh, <laughs> he, all he can grow is like this, you know, the, like the, the bottom of his chin, like this little goatee and he's growing it out now. And uh, he's like, yeah, my wife hates it. She won't even like touch me. I'm like, <laughs> you're going to keep it and, and braid it out, you know, just so that you have, uh, you know, immunity from being put, bothered put some, by like, your <laughs> Just for men on it. So it gets a little bit darker and it kind of looks like a beard sort of maybe. Uh, yeah. It's like this thin sort of, you know, almost like armpit hair beard that kind of grows out. And that's like his claim to fame. So sorry. Sorry, buddy. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm not throwing you under the bus. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, podcasting. All right, let's let's get to it. This is this is an interesting topic for me also because I get to pick yeah. your brain and you you've done a lot with it. Why do you think podcasting is such a big opportunity right now? What, why do you think people should consider at least, you know, doing a podcast or, mm-hmm. you know, including it in their business? Well, cuz I, I think at this point like I think um, I haven't seen a number as of recently, but I know April this year was we finally hit a million shows. And like to wow. think about that like across all platforms that, or just iTunes? Across uh, just an iTunes. So across all iTunes. platforms, I think it's slightly bigger. Um, I, I don't know what it is now. I know it was growing very fast. So it's it's got to be in like the 1.2 range or 1.3 range or somewhere That's like crazy. that. But it, it, two years ago, it was like 500,000. So it's like it's wow. grown so fast. But here's here's the thing is like, that's that's still not a huge number, right? Like, just think of the number of radio stations that are in this country. And then those radio I was gonna stations. Say, what, how does that compare to like other mediums? I, I don't know off the top of my head how many radio stations are out there. Um yeah. It's interesting. We're kind, though, of do, we're kind of doing this on the fly here. I was. Um, uh, I just recently got hooked up to Ghana, which is like the big uh, fifteen thousand three hundred. Fifteen thousand three hundred. Yeah. So yeah, but each one of those has several programs on them too, like right? several shows and stuff. So. So so that's something to think about. Like there's, it's still somewhat of a blue ocean to a certain 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 standpoint. So there's still a lot of room to be found. Yeah. And the other thing too is like just the niching of it, right? Like there's shows about like retirement. There's shows about like um, I don't know about you, but I'm into like paranormal shows and history yeah. shows, and whatever. And I, I get really excited every time you see a new paranormal paranormal show. And I was I was actually I just tweeted about this like. I feel like every one of them have like 10 stories. They restart. I'm like, damn it. I'm gonna go find a new one. This one sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, um, so there's always like different interesting ones that you can find. So like, there's so much to take a look at. So in the grand scheme of things, like a million isn't that big, right? Like yeah. there's so many categories and subcategories. There's over a hundred subcategories at this point in time. So like within that, there's a lot of different stuff to, to take a look at. And it's also very personality driven, right? So like people can, people are coming because you're here. They're, they're coming yeah. because of the people you bring here. So like, you know, the audience may be huge. It may not be huge, but like people are coming to a person for a reason and they start to kind of, um, you know, build social proof and things like that off of that. And also like if you're doing a 30, 40, 60 minute interview, that's a long time to build a relationship with somebody. So, yeah. so that too is, is very, very cool. There's just not a lot of mediums out there. Like if you're on a TV show, 
I, I, the thing I will say is it is super powerful to get that image of somebody on TV. But at the same time, like if you're getting six minutes, that's a lot. Oh yeah. You know, how much of a story can you tell in that period of time? Not much. And, and that's what I think is really, really powerful is if you're willing to differentiate and show how you can be different and how what you're doing is different, there's a lot of room for you um, because a million shows is just really not that big in the grand scheme of things. It's interesting too, because like, I mean, the future also, if you, for example, you consider like the third world, you know, like mm-hmm. countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, I mean, India is not really third world, but there's so many people in India, you know, like recently Lipson, which I use for hosting, they, they're always adding, you know, different, uh, whatever destinations. And one of yeah, them is they had some new ones recently, Ghana or Ghana or something from like India, that. from India. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. already getting a ton of downloads from that. Just same here. It's like, that's really cool, you know? So it's exciting to see how this whole capitalism, personal growth, self-development stuff is really going to fire up in these sort of minority communities or not minority, but um, uh, third world communities, you know, that are basically starting to come online. They're starting to get phones. They're starting to get interested in having their own property and their own, you know, success in life and all these values. So that's really promising. That's like how many billions of people in the next coming years that are going to be coming online and, and listening for this kind of stuff. It's it's really interesting that perspective. I know like uh, another cool thing about Libsyn too, is it'll tell you like the number of countries that you're, you've been downloaded mm, yeah. in. I think we're at like 192 or something like that. Isn't so that like, crazy dude, that's, a, think that's a lot of countries. All those man. people are listening to you. I don't know 192 people. Like that's pretty yeah. incredible. <laughs> somebody told me I'm in a podcast group and somebody was, saying this for perspective, which is, is really cool because at first, you know, when you're starting a podcast, obviously it is such a niche type of thing that, you know, you're not necessarily going to just skyrocket and get thousands of downloads. So mm-hmm. it, a good thing for perspective that kind of really helped me along with the whole journey was, you know, when you have a doubt, let's say you have like a hundred downloads on an episode. Like if you think right. about it, if you got a hundred people in a room and you like had to, to listen to you talk to somebody else. Like that's a big deal. I mean, a hundred people, people in a room is a lot of people for any type of event, you know? So like, uh, I remember my first time we did, uh, I did a, a live interview. I did uh, an interview at a comedy club with James Altucher and we like sold tickets to the event and like we sold 25 tickets and they were like so excited about that. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was so bummed. Cause I'm like 25 tickets. That's not a big deal, but like it's a comedy club. Like that yeah. looks huge inside that's, there. Yeah. That's a lot of people. What do you think as a business owner is or are the advantages of having a podcast? Like how, what are some of the things that can help with a business? If you do own a business, you know, why mm-hmm. would you start a pod? Why would you consider starting a podcast? Well, there's a couple different perspectives on it. The first being like it humanizes you. Cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, especially like, like we have a client right now that's doing a lot in the tech space. So like tech is a little bit lower, more like faceless, right? Like a little yeah. bit more faceless, nameless, whatever. And if people can humanize that a little bit, it helps to humanize your company a little bit. So that's kind of one concept is like, you're really helping to become more human and more of a name, more of a face, things like that. And it's easier for people to associate with that versus Mm. like a logo or versus like, you know, whatever your service is. So that's a really big deal. The other thing is like enhancing your authority. Because if you're consistently talking about a topic, you know, at a certain point, you start to become an authority on that topic. Like even if you're just interviewing people on it and not really giving your own opinion on it. And the, the side benefit of that, um, which I, I know I've seen, I'm sure you've seen, is you learn from all these people too. So you're oh, also yeah. enhancing your own knowledge on it. So you actually are becoming the authority that you're working on building. So for a brand, it's, it's really kind of a unique perspective of, especially if you're interviewing, becoming more human, um, 
becoming more authoritative, but becoming smarter at the same time. Like, like where, where kind of, where else of a perfect marriage can you find other than podcasting like that? Like, yeah, you can listen to an audiobook, but like people don't know you listen to an audiobook unless they're like stalking you or something. So it's mm. like at the same time, it's the only place you can really do that. Yeah. The indirect benefits I think are so uh, profound. You know, a lot of times we try to kind of equate dollar signs to, you know, input, but it's yeah. with podcasting, I find that it's, there's so many indirect benefits that you wouldn't be able to get like networking with people. Like you said, there's no way in hell I would have ever met these people that I've interviewed or, or talked to them if it wasn't yeah. for just like, Oh, Hey, I have a podcast. You want to come on a podcast? You know? So uh, there's so many benefits indirectly as a business. Like the owner. networking aspect has been, networking. Has been awesome. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and just from a nerd perspective, like I love baseball. I, I absolutely love baseball. I've become friends with a lot of players I used to watch on TV now. And yeah. like we talk about shit, which is really kind of cool. Like Do you interview a lot of uh, like professional athletes on your When show? I can, I like to. Like I just had yeah. a couple of weeks ago, we had Johnny Damon on the show that played for the Red Sox and the Yankees. And um, actually this morning, um, I got to interview a guy. He retired a couple of years ago, but he was literally my favorite player for a few years. A guy named Nick Swisher, who mm. also played for the Yankees and Oakland and stuff like that. And to sit and hang out with your favorite player and just shoot the shit about baseball for an hour, that's yeah, pretty cool, man. Like, where, awesome. where else can that happen? You know what I mean? Other than a podcast. Yeah, how else would you have ever, ever exactly. been able to be like, oh, hey, can I talk to you for like an hour? <laughs> no, no, we can't. What, what are we going to talk sorry. about? But like, but when you have a platform like a podcast, it's yeah. like there, there's something in it for them. So it's, it's, it's really, really super cool, you know? What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people make with podcasting when they start? Or I guess even there's there's a few, in. and I don't want to sound like a like a a super nerd on it because like you don't have to have the best quality stuff out there, but like just having a good mic like out of the gate yeah. is important. Like you know, like having a you know this is a older one. This is a ATR twenty one hundred. It's like sixty bucks. Like nice. or you know this is like a more higher end mic. But just having like even earbuds, dude. Just having something like so I know my first podcast. It was atrocious. Like yeah, there was no miking. There was like it sounded like I was in a wind tunnel. So like. It needs to like your first barrier is honestly just being listenable. And that doesn't mean you have to sound like you're in a studio, but just like good enough for somebody to be able to like put up with it. You know what I mean? Like that's really yeah. important. The other thing too, um, and, and I was as guilty of this as I was guilty of the first one, but it's uh, trying to be too much like the other shows you listen to. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, there's not a reason people are going to come to you over listen to the show that you guys are all listening to together. So you have to figure out what is your unique perspective on things. Um, and also at the same time, like trying to sound like too much of an authority when you're not really yet. And because I, yeah. I, I think one of the things I've tried to approach this as is being the consummate student, like, hey, we're learning this together. You know, we're kind of figuring out this together. And the person we're sitting down here with, they're, they're the expert. We're learning from them. So it's like it, it, it's there's a few different ways of, of, of doing that that I just seen as kind of a negative thing for, for your brand and whatnot. How do you think, you know? This is a very open-ended question, but how do you think people can, I guess, find their voice? You know, obviously part of it is practice and it's a process yeah. and it's constantly evolving. Um, but, you know, what are some, like, if you're if you're starting out and you're at the point where I want to start the podcast and, okay, I'm going to plan the first couple episodes and just kind of at least start something. How do you, what, what process could somebody go through to at least kind of get a, a seed for their voice and figure out, you know, a starting point so that they're authentic? I wish I had a better answer than just do a lot of interviews and maybe don't yeah. publish them. I don't know, but just like do a lot of interviews, man. Like, yeah. I know even for myself, like, um, before I started my podcast, I'd ever only done one like talk in front of a group of like 50 people. Mm -hmm. And like, dude, I showed up with, 
to talk for an hour, I showed up with 180 slides oh, um, and I was like showing people like how to like do like some personal branding type stuff. So like, this is how bad it was. I was like showing them how to register for a HostGator account and set up name servers. And like, I was getting to that granular wow, level, like doing a presentation, hardcore. <laughs> but like doing a podcast, like it kind of teaches you how to do that stuff better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can get up and I've been in front of thousands of people in AdLib the whole thing and just yeah. kind of like had a great time and communicating with them. And I think like you don't do that other than by doing it, you know, there's no yeah. real hack to it other than, than doing it. So like, I don't know, um, do some Toastmasters or, you know, go to some other events where you get to talk in front of people or whatever it is. But like just that consistency of delivering your message is, is the thing that's going to help you get clearer on it. Like you, you don't get it other than by working it out. I, th- I think you brought up a good point too, with this, which is consistency. I think if, if there's yeah. one factor in podcasting that's, that's important, it's, huge. It's, cons- it's consistency, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say in the beginning would be a good approach to that? Should somebody publish like once a week, twice a week? You know, what's, what's your experience with that? <clears throat> so I've kind of, I've, I've shifted on this over the years. Like when I started, um, I was doing five days a week. Wow, and it was too many episodes. It was too many episodes because I found fir- out like very first podcast or with this very, one? with with this one it first started. Wow. Uh, I was doing five days a week, and the, you know what the thing I found like hard man. By the time I got to Thursday, like the content wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Like, is you get the yeah. Wednesday or Thursday, and you're like, all right, I guess we could just like take the rest of the week off. So yeah. like, I, I just found that was too much. Yeah. Um, and then kind of really where I've settled now is two interview episodes a week and then one yeah. like just small solo content episode because I try mm-hmm. to tell people like, look at a podcast like a funnel, like people come for the guests, you know, for me, it's Monday and Wednesday and then they stay for you on Friday and they start to yeah. learn more about you and kind of you start to build more of your authority there. So I usually say like to at least build habit for me, you need at least two episodes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, one episode a week or one episode another every other week, especially if you're like me and I was relatively unknown, like there's just not enough happening there to get you known. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you're not giving yourself enough chances. You need to create more chances than that. I mean, it would be kind of like emails too, some sort of email you want it at least twice a week so they can build a habit of getting yeah. value from you and, and opening your emails and listening. I mean, you're trying to create a cultivate a relationship basically. Yeah. Like I've had people say to me, I'm starting a podcast and it's going to be bi-weekly. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> fun, man. Like, cause it's, it's just, you need to create that habit and that, yeah. you know, why people come to you and, you know, have the ability to build that relationship. And if you, you just aren't giving people that ability, like you're shooting yourself in the foot right out of the gate, you know? How do you have anybody that you outsource your stuff to like, or, or I should say, I guess this is a kind of a two part question. Cause sure. So the first part is, do you have anybody that you outsource like your audio editing to and you know, all that kind of stuff. And the second more important part would be at what point did you get to do that? Because it's very expensive. You know, I think it's to get show notes and all that stuff. It was like 800, 900 bucks a month or something like that. And, and so obviously you need to be creating income to, to support mm-hmm. that nice little habit. So yeah, how, you know, what was that journey for you? How, how did you do that? So, um, Gosh, I probably did it for the first two and a half or three years myself. And that's, mm-hmm. you know what the main problem is, is I'm like, I'm very type A. Yeah. So like, I like to kind of do things myself and make sure that like they're done. Right. And eventually <laughs> like my wife's like, Hey, I want you back. Like this has got to <laughs> stop. Like you can't do this till midnight every night. Like this kind of sucks for everybody. And I'm like, okay, that's a great point. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things I've always been really good at is building processes. So, um, 
a, a lot of the way that the show edited is very is edited is very processed out like we do things the same way every time meaning like you know you cut out all the ums ahs likes stuff like that like within within uh you know an acceptable level yeah an yeah. acceptable level because it is it is weird when somebody doesn't like say it once but like we right. had a guest on the show that like 84 times he said like you know that was really tough yeah so we had to just get rid of it because it made it hard to listen to and now you have like a virtual assistant that does that or somebody like close by that you just send the files to like yeah so okay so you? so I'll get there in a sec. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll set you up for that. So, gotcha. so what I so what I do is I have two different spreadsheets running. I have a content calendar spreadsheet, which has all my scheduled out episodes. It has what the titles are, who the guest is, everything else. So that's one part of it. Then I have a Dropbox folder, and in there I have folders for each episode, and in there gets the two tracks, me and the guest, um, an intro I record, an outro I record, and an episode number I record, and um, that's all put in a Dropbox folder. And uh, then I have a, a virtual assistant in the Philippines, um, which that's really the way to outsource it if you can do it, man, because the, the cost is just so much lower. Oh, yeah. And um, since I'm not going crazy about like what I'm asking for audio editing, like we get the file edited, then we run it through something called Authonic, which is really great because it levels mm -hmm. all the sounds and stuff for you. Because a lot of times when you listen to an episode, like the music will be really loud and then the voices will be low and the voices yeah. don't match up. So what leveling does is it makes sure everything's at a similar decibel rate so it's easy to listen to. Yeah. So they, they edit the track, they run it through Alphonic, they upload it to Libsyn, and then the show notes are like pretty formulaic, like the guest bio, the links, the stuff like that, yeah. the sponsors. So it's easy for them to kind of redo for me every single time. And then, yeah, I, I used onlinejobs.ph, and that's mm. like the largest uh, Filipino hiring board. And we hired somebody in the Philippines to do it, been using them for a couple of years, and it's just been awesome. Um, when we first started that experience, um, I used, um, it used to be called internships.com. Now it's called, I think, Chegg, which is C-H-E-G-G.com. And uh, we got an intern to do a lot of the editing. Uh, they usually work for you like three to six months. Um, they don't get paid because it's through college and they're trying to get some experience on mm -hmm. their resume. So we could kind of work out and see where the hiccups were with somebody that was like stateside. And then once we felt the process was ready, then we were ready to outsource it for you know a few bucks an hour. That's great. Yeah, I, I would love to do that eventually. It's, uh, it's definitely on my It's books. a game changer. It's a game changer, yeah. I mean, there's so much time but you can do it right now with an intern, man. Just get your yeah, processes good true. and then find an intern. That's true. And the other thing too, is it drains you too. Besides time, like when doing all that nitty gritty stuff and putting, you know, that just like drains your creative energy and then you're like, it does. All right. That's, that's enough. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I like talking. I like recording. I like finding new music tracks to put on my intros. That's fun. Yeah. But, uh, I can't stand all the nitty gritty stuff. Find find yourself an intern, man. They get school credit for for helping you out. Yeah. Because they're getting the they're getting the job experience. They're getting school credit, and it frees you up, man. So it's, it makes your life a little easier. Yeah, and then I eventually, might check out that online jobs ph too. Like how many hours? So you pay them what, like three bucks an hour or something like that? Uh, four. Four for audio because they do video editing too. So and audio and episode for audio episode and posting it like the whole process for one episode. Yep. How much do you pay them per episode or by hours that they work? We do it by hours. We pay we pay uh, biweekly on that. So um, he's usually doing three episodes a week, and then um, he does a headliner. Do you know what the headliners are with the yeah. transcript? So he does one of those for Monday's episode, one for Wednesdays, and then the Fridays is usually like more like a viral video type clip. Mm -hmm. And um, we used like the Zoom side by side with like the transcript on it and everything mm -hmm. like that. So um, he's usually giving me about sixty hours every two weeks doing all that stuff. So it's not hours. crazy. 
um and it's but it's it's handled a lot of stuff for me now if you got I mean, if you cut the video if you cut the videos out of it the time goes down substantially anything related to video is a lot of work yeah so probably let's say 20 hours or something for all the audio stuff you'd say maybe even less than that maybe it's just even less video, than that. video is way complicated man because you got to cut it and everything else yeah that's that's definitely worth looking it's at affordable that. you know yeah no, that's great, and and you you also pay. They're probably making good money for where they're at too. The exchange so. rate's great. I think it's um yeah. it's like forty eight Filipino pesos to one American dollar. So it's wow, it, it's really good. I remember a bunch of years ago, um two thousand fourteen, we went to China, and it was like six uh six uh, yen to one American dollar. Like you feel like a baller, and you spend like a hundred yeah. bucks in a week. It's great. <laughs> I'll never forget too when we were when I was a kid. I would go to uh, Eastern Europe with that's where yeah. I was born with my family and. Oh, whereabouts? Uh, Romania, Bucharest. Romania. Yeah. Cool. That's, Romania that's is super actually cool. a beautiful country. Very beautiful country. But unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, like everything else, it's been corrupted and all that kind of stuff. But it's yeah. as far as the country itself, there's a lot of really great things over there. So we, we would go to the beach and we, st- I was like 11, but we stayed at, uh, you know, these hotel, like five star hotels. We'd eat, you know, uh, like Kings, it would cost you like 20 bucks a night. I mean, it was just insane. That's how uh, we, we, I spent a lot of time in like Budapest and Bratislava. Um, yeah. Just Budapest great, is really beautiful too. Budapest a lot of great architecture there. Yeah. But like, you feel like a baller in Budapest, oh, yeah. man, because the money goes so far. Like, we went to these. Uh, I think it's the largest bath in Europe. It's in, it's in Budapest. Like when I say bath, like one of the outdoor things with like a hot yeah. spring and all that. Kind of, it's very cool. But it's like three bucks for the day. Like it's like it's ridiculous. That's like crazy. what you can do when the exchange rate's really good. But it's it's at the same time, um, you know, your dollar's going farther. But in in most places, not in all places, but in most places, it's a pretty good living wage for the people that are you know getting your American dollar. Yeah, it's a win win. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, Absolutely. for your for your marketing efforts, was there anything that really worked for you and that did not work for you? So I guess both of those are interesting. So I've put a lot of attention recently on LinkedIn content. And LinkedIn. when I say LinkedIn, um, like... Like articles on LinkedIn or... No, just... like, the, like the text posting, like almost like the LinkedIn status, like, like yeah. it is on Facebook. But you're limited to like 1,300 characters, at it, I think. So you have to be pretty careful in what you use. And like the way it displays, you get three lines and then there's a see more button to see the rest of the posts. Mm-hmm. So it's like super important what you say in those first three lines. So like... For me, the most successful post I saw was um, I interviewed somebody that won a gold medal in the Olympics. So I wow. statisized out like the percentage of people that would ever be in the Olympics. And then the next stat was like the percentage that would ever win a medal and then the percentage that would ever win a gold medal. So that like really grabbed people's attention and they wanted to read the rest of that post. Mm. And the thing I don't do is then put a link at the end of the, con- the, end of the post because platforms don't like when you do that because it pulls people off of the platform. So they're going to automatically downrank that post. Wow. So what I then do is I finish the post by saying, hey, the link to this is in the first comment. So people are going to go to the first comment and get it, but it's going to help the ranking of the post because it's not in the post. They don't want you to leave. They want, it's like Facebook wants you to stay in Facebook land. They don't want you to yeah. leave. Like you got to make it, I guess, within the boundaries of what these platforms are saying. But I'm just seeing t- plain text posts on LinkedIn do really well right now. Um, Facebook, it's usually anything visual or a video, which is good there. Video was doing great on LinkedIn for a while, but they've changed their algorithm recently where it's just back to plain text posts. Hmm. So it's kind of realizing, you know, what's working for you right now because these platforms just change so much. It's a cat and mouse game, man. It is. It really is. I feel like sometimes, you know, like you're chasing sort of this algorithm and hoping the gods will bless you. (laughs) Yeah, like like, uh, we've been binging on like, 
old TV shows right now. And there's this show uh, called The Good Wife. I don't know if you ever watched that. And it's about this woman who's a lawyer or whatever. And one of the cases they're trying trying is against this company that like they can't use the name Google. So it's like fake Google is yeah, they're trying right, to court. Right. And they need to talk about like what's in their algorithm. And the guy like literally says like, well, we have to change it every day because eventually people figure it out and like then they can game the system. And it's like, well, isn't that a good thing? Like for at least right. for the consumer, wouldn't the, wouldn't you want the consumer to know how to use it? But anyway. <laughs> No, it's, it's, I don't know. And it's interesting because I don't know, I'm not entirely like I've, I've done some things that worked and I've done some, like I've wasted money on Instagram. For example, I wasted so much money on Instagram trying to do all these different things for it. And and part of me is like, okay, you know, you see, I mean, not to get political or anything, but all the things that are going on right now with censoring with these platforms and it's, it's bound to invoke some sort of corrective measure in the near future. And I wouldn't be surprised that all this stuff just changes again, you know, or some of these things disappear altogether, you know, because people are not happy with with what's going on, obviously. So I'm really curious to see how that evolves, especially with podcasting, because podcasting doesn't have its own like there's no social platform for podcasting. And that's one yeah. of the that's one of the challenges that I've personally had in terms of really gauging engagement or, you know, mm-hmm. like, let's say, uh, connecting to your audience, obviously, besides the usual stuff, like having an email list, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't know, do you see that there will be a, how do you see the social aspect of, of podcasting going? Because there's people that are trying, I think Anchor is trying it. I think um, there was some other one that came up recently, like... Um, Podchaser is pretty cool. Podchaser, yeah. I really Podchaser. like Podchaser. Like, we started to kind of get some more stuff going on over there. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anybody's really, like, totally figured it out yet. You know, it's yeah. still kind of a, like... Because the, 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 the problem is, is you have so many people using so many different apps. They're in so yeah. many different places. And then you have, like, you know... I know Spotify just like ripped down like 13 big podcasts in the last week. We're like, oh, you breached our terms of service. So it's like there's kind of no, I guess, code across the place too at the same time. Like everybody accesses the stuff in a different way. So and I feel like a lot of times it's it's up to us to figure out how to build a community. Like is that on Facebook? Is that through an email list? Is that through a blog? Whatever it is. But it's just hard, man, because everybody likes to access their information differently. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the only real answer is be consistent, have as many destinations as possible. <laughs> spread, yes, 100%. Your, spread your seat as far as possible and give good value. Hey, you it works for Genghis Khan, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. What does he hope to like a hundred million descendants or some something, something like, like that, man? He spread his seed far and wide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to be like the dandelion, I guess, you know, and just that's the only strategy that really works because like, here's the thing too, is like, like we even put episodes on YouTube and most of the, we do it through the, through the Libsyn option where it just puts them up there as like static images with the audio in the background. Yeah. I've tried that too, but I don't know. I've had, we, we, the thing we've seen is a lot of people don't watch it there, but it's really good for discoverability. Like we find a lot Mm. of people that say, Hey, we found you on YouTube because of blah. So that's mm. also the same time too. It's figuring out like what's good for your discoverability. Like Google ranking, you mean? Or well, because YouTube's the second largest search engine, right? You know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like so like at the same time, like you're using it as a search engine aspect. I'll have a lot of people that come and check out the podcast on like wherever it is they listen because they found it on YouTube. So like mm. it also at the same time, it's using it for a resource, you know. Interesting. So you're kind of just banking, yeah, more uh, entries pretty much into into YouTube. That's interesting. You're giving people an opportunity to find you, and then they're deciding where they want to listen to you. But you're at least making it so you're spread out in enough places you can get found. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I know that Google is developing some uh, audio, 
like searching to where you can basically search it. It'll, it's going to scrape audio now and basically Apple does now too. Yeah. And they provide you with basically, uh, you know, listings of, of audio podcasts and things. So that's, that's really interesting too, for the future of audio. And you combine that with audio, like, uh, Alexa and audio driven, you know, everything. I, th- I think audio is going to be the future, man. I mean, I, I totally think free. it is. I just, the, the, the barrier right now is like some of the, the things, like if it's an Alexa or it's like a Google play or Google home, or whatever it is, like they're partnering with certain apps. So you still have the barrier of you have to be like on that app. Like I know for mm. us, like if you want to get, uh, picked up in like, uh, Alexa, you have to have like a news briefing. You have to have some of the stuff. So like, I, I'm really excited for where voice can go, but I still think we've got quite a quite a ways to go in it, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I, I wonder how the future is going to be because all these companies they're kind of, um, you know, like you're going to have a you're going to have a home and you're going to choose between a Google Home or Amazon Home or you know you whatever else you know Apple Home. It's like they're all kind of developing the same stuff. Yeah, and in a sense, it forces you to sort of choose, you know. So it, it's interesting. I, I, I'm I'm kind of at a point now. We have like four of them in my house. I'm kind of like, man, I feel like there's way too much Wi-Fi in my house. I think at some point in time, we have to kind of start uh, regressing a little bit on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's well, you, we don't know whatever side of the EMF you know argument you stand on. You know, there's I'm not crazy new... about it, but at the same time, I like too much of anything isn't good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we certainly have a lot more than we had 100 years ago, so that's that's something to be thought of. With your with your podcast, how do you make money on it? How do you monetize a podcast? So we have some advertising we do. So we have like um, we don't do the traditional CPM because I just feel like unless you have a massive show, a lot of it doesn't really serve a lot of people. Yeah, we do a flat rate per episode, so. Um, I think the first thing I felt comfortable charging was like 75 bucks an episode. We do like three ad spots and like, you know, that was cool. Um, I think you now need we're a certain amount of listeners before you start advertising that when you're doing a flat rate, like that's kind of up to you. Like, and mm. if somebody's willing to pay it, then it's cool. Like oh, gotcha. for me, we'll usually like approach products I like, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I love audible. Like, um, I just did the, like the clear brace thing with smile direct mm-hmm. club. So like we reached out to them. Like I, I tend to reach out to products I really like and I see, I, a lot of times that works out for me. And I think right now, um, flat rates are always negotiable, but I think flat rates serve most podcasts better. Like saying like, Hey, it's 150 bucks to advertise on my show or it's 75 bucks advertised on my show. And you know, it covers your production costs and kind of a little bit more beyond that. Um, and then also at the same time, like, you know, we did start the PR agency as well, which started because I had the podcast. So like mm-hmm. ha- had I not had the podcast, I wouldn't have had the other stuff going to be able to do that so it also you know is where you know most of our income comes from and they get basically what like an announcement twice per show or how do you how do you work it into your episode so so for an ad it depends like um the, the traditional ad spots are a lot of companies will have like two open roles which means mm-hmm. two ads at the beginning a mid roll and i'm just not a huge believer in end roles because you can't t- you just you don't know how many people listen to the end so i just yeah. don't feel like it's serving your advertisers so i'm just not a big believer in them um, and so then the thing you want to do is you want to have like, like minimums, like, Hey, if you're going to do, uh, an open role, 
uh, our minimum is you have to do one month worth of open roles. So you're at least getting like some sort of agreement on that mm. because at the same, like it's going to serve you for continuity and like income, but at the same time, it's going to serve the advertiser, right? If they do one episode and they say yeah. it doesn't work, like, well, obviously you, you need to do more episodes. Yeah. So, like you want to have your minimums too is kind of a really good idea to do that. And you can do some cool like combinations like, Hey, you do, um, you know, one month of, you know, 12, uh, open roles and you know one or two mid rolls or something like that so like you want to you can find what really works there for you mm -hmm. but i find like it's really good to set some minimums meaning like how many episodes somebody has to do because yeah. at the same time like you want them to get an impact from working with you so like you know you're 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 gonna know as the host like what that's gonna be for them you know so it's like but at the same time it also ensures you income because somebody's not saying all right i'm gonna try one episode see how it works and then decide on more like that just isn't serving anybody well yeah even the audience i'm guessing like if you have a different you know it's a consistency thing yeah, like, it's a consist how many times like i i don't know about you but i like i tend to buy a lot of things that i hear on podcasts like, this is <laughs> i learn a lot of listening a lot of them right yeah but it takes me hearing it like 25 times to do something yeah. so you know what i mean so it's like knowing how my buying habits are i think it tells me a lot about how my audience's buying habits are was there anything that you've done that hasn't worked or that was a waste of money <laughs> In terms of like marketing or advertisement or, um, you know, things that most people think might work, but actually didn't really work for you. I'm trying to think. Um, we haven't had a ton of success in like straight Facebook ads. Mm. Um, what we've had success with is retargeting ads. Like ads to your, to what? Like to your episodes? Like or? to trying certain like demographics to get people to go to an episode or whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. what we've found, um, um, I think it's simple podcast player is the podcast player I use now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't use the like standard one Libsyn one anymore. I used to, um, and what people can actually choose their platform and stuff on that. And it's pretty cool. So what we tend to do is a lot of like retargeting ads. Mm -hmm. So we'll pixel the pixel, the website, and then we can, you know, basically target anybody that's been to the site and target them with an episode. Mm -hmm. And we like to do it with the smart podcast player episode because they can choose their platform. Um, mm -hmm. so we've kind of found that to be pretty successful. We've also tried like, um, I've had a ton of success and it's funny because I just don't think a lot of people do it anymore. We've had a stupid high amount of success with Twitter ads. Really? We get a lot of traffic from Twitter ads and they're cheap as shit. Like they, they tend to work really, really well, convert well and not cost very much. So we've done very well with Twitter what ads. What do they advertise to like specific episodes? Um, it depends. We've, we've tried um, pushing like Apple podcast link and you can then choose like, are they listening on an iPhone? Are they listening on whatever? We've tried mm -hmm. Spotify link. We've tried MP3 link. We've tried all different things. We've just found the show notes page tends to not work. Um, we try sending them to like a platform or the MP3 file, but Twitter ads have been amazing. Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever tried linking the, like the direct download file where they can just listen to it once they click or that's, that's the MP3 file. Oh, the MP3 file. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah so it's, it's just a different word for it, but yes, yeah, we've tried that. That's been pretty successful too. See, that would be nice if this is goes back to the whole platform thing, but it's like, okay, once they click on that and they like it, they have to then, there's no like mechanical thing. There's there nothing says, to bring them back. Okay. Subscribe. They have to like yeah. remember, oh, I really like this show. Let me go find them and subscribe. And that, that to me is just, I wish there was. There's so many barriers, man. But the, here, yeah. here's the, here's the cool part about it is that's a lot of room for innovation for yeah. somebody to figure it out and like, you know, like go for broke. Are there, are there any other ways that you have seen that are good for monetizing podcasts besides advertising? 
joint ventures are really good. Like if you have guests that like sell a product, that's a really good, like early on, that's how we made, we made a lot of our income was off joint ventures. Like knowing like if people sell a product or service and it's an alignment for me, like you can't just like prostitute yourself and sell anything. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But like it's, if it's an alignment for you, you know, setting up promo codes with your guests, setting up, um, you know, like a landing page for your guests or whatever it is. And if somebody has a really high ticket product, that's a great way to make some money. Yeah. So like that's another one that re- people don't really think about is, is joint ventures and partnerships. It's just a really great way to do some income. Um, like we had a friend that, um, I think once a year she opens it up at Marie Forleo has her B school program and her commission structure is like stupid good on it. Um, so I had a friend promote, um, to their email list and their podcast audience and they did like $50,000 in revenue off of, you know, promoting somebody else's product. So it's about finding a really good, you know, like guest offer, joint venture offer that can work for you that you can promote. As far as email list and growing, let's say your, your fan base, what have you found to be the most effective to kind of cultivate that, to get people to sign up to your email list and, you know, so there's a couple different things. Like one is, um, like having a good free offer. So like we do a seven day, uh, uh, basic PR class, which has been really good because people tend to just like that one. So they opt in for that. Um, another thing we do is there's a program called getemails.com, And, um, what it is, you put a piece of code in your website and uh, they have a massive database of people that have like opted in for all different stuff. And they can basically match 30% of your anonymous traffic to whatever their database is and opt them into your list. Hmm. Um, and then you put them in an email sequence. I have a seven day one, depending on what site they go to. And that's been our biggest thing in building our list. Like we've doubled our list size since the beginning of this year from working with get emails. And they are extremely affordable for doing that. Does that That's integrate with like uh, like Aweber or you know Mailchimp or something like that? It integrates with with uh, I believe it integrates with Aweber. We're using Active Campaign, and mm. I really really like that one just because there's the level of what you can automate is pretty ridiculously cool. Um, so that's kind of been the one we've been doing it with. Um, but I believe it, it integrates with most services like MailChimp and, and Aweber and stuff like that. So these people who are in this get emails thing, they've already said pretty much opted in. They've given them confirmed opt-in pretty much. And Mm -hmm. so they know that if they land on a website where they were, you know, interested in, and that website has this program that it'll opt them into the list. And so they're not going to be surprised when they visit a website, don't necessarily put their email in, but then, you know, they get an email that says, hey, maybe, maybe not. So like, yeah. um, so that, and that's why you want to ha- have, them, you want to have them get something emailed right away. Like a, Hey, thanks for visiting our site. And they get a few emails or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's the thing. A lot of times people opt in for something and they forget. So yeah. like, oh yeah, I, I may have opted in there. Whatever. I was, I was at that website. So like, yeah. it's important to email them right away. And we also hold people like that out of broadcast emails for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. because you want to kind of ease them into to getting emails. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing, man, like companies sell your information and that's how get emails gets people's information. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of figuring out how to take advantage of that for yourself this time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's really been a great, it's been a great yeah. one for us and our open rate's been really good and we've had almost no spam complaints from it. Yeah. I guess as long as you really cultivate those early couple of weeks, yeah. whatever, two weeks or something, you know, the, then it's, the email sequence early on is vital because then yeah. you're like, if they decide it's not for them, they can just unsubscribe and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Cool, man. Well, any long-term goals that you have with your company? Any big dreams, any big visions well, right now? Right now, um, I'm finally working on a book. We're actually doing a Kickstarter for it. So nice. we're raising, we're raising the um, initial funds for it. 
Um, it launched on Monday. We're super excited for that. It's called Extraordinary. And I've really learned like, you know, five key concepts from all the people that I've interviewed that make someone extraordinary, like how they use adversity, um, how they set their own goals and stuff like that. And um, we're raising $10,000 in the next uh, 30 days. Um, we're doing some pre-sales of the book as part of that. We're doing some cool special offers, like teaching people how to book celebrities in their podcast, uh, you know, doing podcast makeovers and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and, you know, all that's going to, you know, making this dream of the book extraordinary reality. That's kind of the thing I'm most excited about right now. You haven't written it yet or you're, you've got it. We're about, I'm about, I'm about halfway through it in terms of what's written. Gotcha. We're looking to launch it in May of next year. But right now we're just kind of doing the crowdfund to, yeah, yeah. to pay for everything. It's, it's interesting because we're working with a publisher, but we're doing a crowdfund for that. So that you keep all the rights um, to hmm. all you write. Because a lot of times when you work with a, a publisher in the traditional sense, you give away a lot of your rights to your written work, but you want yeah. the distribution they have. So in this way, you get the distribution, but you keep your rights because you're doing a crowdfund for you know the money that's necessary to do that. That's interesting. I didn't know that that was that little little loophole because I, I have a couple books, but I use a company that just basically does all the publishing and, and they actually do fulfillment too. So it's pretty mm-hmm. handy. You can just automate cool. everything. Yeah, they're called Vervante. If you're ever interested, they're they're super cool, very affordable, very professional. But you automate everything, and then they just they cool. give you the ISBN and everything. So, because uh, I didn't want to give up my <laughs> rights to my, and book. that's the whole thing. But this way, you get yeah. like the, the distribution where they like get it in the stores for you. Yeah, they help you with the promo. Cool. They get you the right editing and stuff like that. So like that stuff's all really really important. So I'm super that's stoked about this. That's exciting, man. Yeah, nothing like having a your first book in your hand. I'll never forget that feeling. That's uh it's a special feeling for sure. I'm excited, man. We'll we'll find that out soon, right? One more question for you, buddy. What are you most grateful for today? Uh, my daughter just turned two last week. Wow, um, congratulations. And um she is I don't know, she's like the coolest kid I've ever met. And I feel like I'm her dad, so I feel like I should say that, but like <laughs> I don't know. There's some kids I've met that are real pain in the ass. She is yeah. like the coolest kid I've ever met. Like we're sitting on the couch last night and she just fell asleep on dad and I, you know, put her to bed and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, um, it's just been really cool being a dad. Those are the moments that make life worth living. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Awesome, man. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, such a, such an honor to have all the insights that you've been through. So thanks so much for being on here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, brother. This has been awesome. Great. Well, I'll uh, send you this in a couple of weeks or so. I should be okay. done with it and then feel free to, or I'll share it with your VA, I guess, because that was the one who reached out to me. But yeah, it should be done in a couple of weeks. I think we'll launch this one probably in November sometime. Cool. So, awesome, yeah. man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a lot of fun, man. We'll keep in touch. I, I might even reach out to you for uh, some of this like podcasting makeover stuff because now- so- if you want to check that out, that's at our, our crowdfunder site is um, publishizer.com slash extraordinary. Um, and you can kind of see a little bit over there. Um, our, actually, the the um, crowdfund is over on the 16th. So if there's any way you can get it out before the 16th, it would really help us with the, the crowdfund. It's over on the 16th of November, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah, okay. 16th of November. Yeah. I might, I might really look into that because I'm at a point now where I've I'm actually at the end of this year, I'll be coming out with a third, like my third book, all these courses. I got, I got a whole foundation ready to really, you know, start making some money and and take this to the next level and start building the audience and everything. I mean, I've got pretty good, you know, downloads. I've got like, you know, I'd say about three, four thousand dollars, four thousand per month, which isn't bad, you know. But that's great. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to get to the point where I can get some advertising on my show. 
uh, outsource some of this shit with the audio editing. So I'm at that point, right at that cusp where I'm well, ready to if, you, if you're if you're there, man, definitely check out like the podcast makeover would be the one that would be really interesting to you. And yeah. I, I'll set you up with everything you need to kind of make that go, including yeah. all the processes to, to outsource a lot of stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Thanks, buddy. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, brother. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeremy. You know, my goal with this interview is to inspire the possibility of a world of podcasting for you. You know, podcasting, like I said, or like we were talking in the interview, it's barely in its infancy. It's barely starting to peak. I mean, it's just amazing how it's been around for several years, but it hasn't really even peaked or or blown up as much as it can. And so the potential is huge. And right now is the time to get on the train. It's barely getting started, especially as the third world comes online and more and more people start to listen to podcasts, alternative media, uh, you know, it's it's going to blow up and it does take work. You know, it's not easy for sure. You got to be okay with spending a lot of time not getting paid, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun and it definitely can be lucrative or influential, impactful in many ways, especially indirect ways. Like we talked in the interview about networking with people, learning different things, giving you a chance to position yourself. I mean, that stuff you can't really buy with money. It takes a lot of work. So it's a great tool, very fun, and uh, it's it's going to be pretty popping here pretty soon. So if you want to follow Jeremy, get a little more information about what he does, or if you have a podcast and you'd like to connect with him and see what you might learn there and, and do some coaching or any kind of educational opportunity, you can find Jeremy on social media at Jeremy Ryan Slate. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I hope it brought value to you. If you, like I said, if you're looking to start a podcast, if you know anybody that wants to start one, share this with them. You never know the difference it might make just to give them a little boost and get it started. You know, we all started, all of us, when we started our podcast, we didn't start with bells and whistles. We had a few episodes, a few downloads, and just a lot of motivation. So hopefully this episode has helped you get a little motivation. Don't forget Grant Cardone. Anyone who minimizes the importance of success to your future has given up on his or her own chances of accomplishment and is spending his or her life trying to convince others to do the same. Don't be that person, right? (laughs) Podcasting, you know, like any business, is a long and lonely road. And there's going to be many times when you're going to want to quit, but don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the poor download numbers. Stay consistent with what you believe. You know, act on your voice, develop your voice, hone it. Always be improving and always bring value to other people and you will be successful. It's a great optimistic future ahead for podcasting. So jump on the bandwagon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday, Transformation Tuesday for a little healing through food. And we'll be talking with uh, entrepreneur and chef Hilary Boynton on her School of Lunch program, Feeding Children and starting a nonprofit and all that good stuff. We're going to be talking about healthy food, what it's like to have a nonprofit, and all that good stuff. So make sure you tune in on Friday, and next week we're going to be doing a lot of theme with food and healing and physical healing, hacking the body, good food stuff, good diet principles, good eating, all that. Man, I'm already hungry just talking about it. So hopefully we'll see you soon. And until then, don't forget, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. 
more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.